You're listening to K&J Recaps. Welcome back to Westworld Season 2, Episode 8, Kiksuya. I am Jess. I am Kim. Kim, so uh, this will not be a, you know, novel or overly, uh, you know, new approach to this episode, but I just want to put myself on record at the start saying I I think that this is the greatest episode of the this, this series uh, so far. I, I absolutely agree. Yeah. I feel like this was one of my favorite hours of television ever. Right. I mean, like, there are a few episodes of some shows, like, there's a couple of, um, you know, that through the years have just been like, oh, I'm taking this away with me. Like, this was just, like, one of my favorite hours of television of all time. And, like, it was so breathtaking. I just loved it, Jess. Yeah, me too. And I, I don't want to give a spoiler away, but uh, Kim, uh, the other podcast, we, we do a few other podcasts, but we uh, love doing Stranger Things. And in the newest newest season of Stranger Things, there is an episode that has a lot of parallels to this storyline, as in somebody kind of is introduced who's been on the periphery and gets kind of a backstory. And I saw a lot of Reddit comments of this you know, this episode of Westworld is what that episode of Stranger Things could have been. You know, it got, exactly. It got, you know, a lot of criticism and I think we were kind of in agreement there. And it's not that an episode that takes you out of the main storyline has to remove you. Like this just immersed me so much more. It gave me so much more color on what life in Westworld for all of that time was like. It is so heartbreaking. It was so beautifully portrayed. Yeah. It's, um... It was just a true, yeah. I, I hope that there are awards won for this episode of television. I mean. Because I'm just, yeah. Um, okay, Zon McLarnan is the, yeah. I think I'm saying that correctly, is uh, the actor who plays Akichita. Someone give that man an Emmy right like, now. Crazy. I went back and read a couple of interviews with him just leading into this. Because um, obviously, like, I mean, the guy has gone from like zero to 100. Imagine how many times he's been Googled today. Um, And of course, he has a really interesting name because he does come from Lakota. His background is Lakota and Irish. Um, And he grew up (laughs) near a Lakota reserve where his grandparents lived on the reserve and grew up around the language, although had to go through um, extensive coaching for how much 90, what, 5% of this episode is in Lakota and subtitled, which is also an amazing choice um for the show to do but he talks about auditioning like he sent in a tape he's like they barely give you anything because how could they and you read a couple lines and then they're like come on in and then of course even then he wouldn't have known that he was going to shoot an entire episode and then the fact that they're going to have you partnered with anthony hopkins and you can't tell anybody for probably like a year (laughs) that you did this big scene with anthony hopkins because no one's supposed to even know he's back on the show like oh man what a crazy scenario that must be like yeah like i mean he must be just like screaming from the rooftops now i mean i haven't i haven't checked uh social media i haven't looked them up on twitter or anything like that but if i were him i'd be like Finally, <laughs> I can tell right? the world what I've been yeah. doing. And also deserves just an award for going through the makeup. I mean, I read one thing where he talks about what it was like to put that makeup on. And it is so distinctive. He's like, they were looking for that look, which is that it's kind of like mud that's caked on. And he's like, yes. it was not pleasant. I mean, the amount of like what he's able to convey while hidden behind just so much makeup is also... Uh, really something so very impressive um, yeah so excited to talk through this one I think Kim before we started recording we were saying you know it's not so much that it raises a whole bunch of new questions although I think it gives us so much background that we are going to bring into the next two episodes heading into the finale and also that you can look back on uh, you know, seasons one and two with and be like, oh, so yes. let me talk a bit about that. <laughs> this gave us a lot of answers. It was, a re- you know, relatively linear in its storytelling, despite the fact that a lot of it was in flashback. Uh, and yes. uh, and a lot of exposition that really kind of clarified things, gave us answers. We had some uh, Ghost Nation theories that uh, that definitely panned out. 
Um, you know, so a lot of great information and context that was given to us in a really beautiful way. Um, and then a few things, like I definitely have thought about things in an, in a fresh way from this episode and like, so I have theories, but like not a ton of like new questions that were raised, uh, you know, based on the content of this episode. Uh, watch as we get into like an hour and a half with the podcasting and our <laughs> all new theories. We'll see how that goes. As we talk, uh, I'm just going to be like, what about this? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, okay. To do our quick recap. So uh, we're kind of going by the three uh, character groups again. So predominantly Akichita. Um, so pre-park opening, he's leave- living peacefully with Koha. He discovers Wyatt's attack, Arnold's death. The maze toy becomes obsessed. Um, when the park opens, he's reassigned to this new ghost nation, which is like a really caricature, brutal, dehumanized character. Uh, but his heuristic base is not removed. He comes across a naked Logan. Who thought we were going to see naked Logan in this episode? Not me. Right. <laughs> um, who he describes as a newcomer uh, from that scene in season one. Logan tells him he's all... Um, uh, you know, sunstroked and everything. He says that he um, he's in the wrong world, which cracks something open inside of Akichita. He goes looking for Logan again, wanders to the edge of the park and discovers what he calls a door. We are definitely going to talk about that. Uh, yep. He reunites with Koha, who was taken away by the park ultimately and replaced with a new host. Um, and he realizes he has to go below to try and find her, which is like the Mesa. We discover he hasn't died in almost a decade and that his code was never updated over those 10 years. And ultimately, he's become fully sentient, finds Koha in the storage and can't save her um, and decides instead to spread the word of the maze. So one night, Ford appears to tell him that... Uh, his death, Ford's death, will be a sing- signal to bring his people to a new world. Um, in kind of the inter- in between this, Maeve and Maeve's daughter. Maeve is at the Mesa unresponsive. Sizemore convinces the staff that are there that they need to look at her code because of her abilities. And they do do that, but they're like, it's a really brutal way. Sizemore thinks they're going to save her and uh, really they're just using her for her code. She's all hacked up. Uh, Sizemore is very heartbroken and sorry and has a great moment with her and of course Maeve's daughter is with Ghost Nation she is who is listening to this story that Akichita is telling and ultimately we find out at the end which makes it completely worth it to go back and watch the episode again that he has been talking to Maeve through the mesh network and you realize that when he is speaking English he's speaking to Maeve's daughter and when he's speaking Lakota he is speaking to Maeve which is a great moment and uh, is very cool. So he tells the daughter he's always kept her safe and he apologizes to Maeve that he has not always kept her safe um, and tells her to come find them or to die well. Uh, and of course, the man in black is around for all of this. He Akichita heals him and ultimately he's taken away by Emily. So that is a quick recap of what we have. So, Kim, why don't we start with uh, the loose ends that this kind of wraps up that have been questions in season one that we weren't really sure if we were going to get answers to or not right like this was kind of a discussion point was like are we ever going to know why there's tattooed mazes on scalps is that just gonna like you know why the maze has been appearing everywhere and we were like who's leaving the maze everywhere and it was kind of like no one answered that for us i do i really love to have this explanation of the reason why the maze is everywhere i still have some questions about like just the logistics of how the maze gets on the inside of scalps and then like rehealed um but i'm not gonna dwell on that at all it like it is uh explanation enough for me and i love to have the imagery of the maze everywhere um being explained particularly that scene of Maeve and her daughter like falling dead yes. after the man in black's attack into this like giant maze that's um carved into the ground like I, I, there was just so much payoff in this episode um, with those loose ends. Um, the question about Ghost Nation and, and their sentience and why they're behaving the way they are and the um, antagonism that it appeared was being shown that didn't really mesh with that and then having an answer to that as well. It was just like, there was so much payoff. It was amazing. 
Um, there is the storyline in season one that was supposed to take place with the actor who portrays Kissy. So remember in season one, so Kissy was the, um, like, was, was he a casino dealer? He was the very yeah, first yeah. one that um, the man in black scalped and saw the maze underneath. And apparently there's supposed to be uh, a pretty prominent storyline involving Kissy, but that actor actually suddenly passed away from liver disease. So they had to scrap that storyline. And so I don't know if this is the case, but like, I wonder if this storyline with the Kichita is perhaps, you know, sort of uh, an... Uh, in lieu of the kissy storyline. Yeah. I think that that's probably, uh, I think that's a really good point. I had seen that as well. And I, I don't know if you know that term retcon Kim, the retroactive continuity, you know, so like you introduce something and you're like, it was always the case. So there is a little bit of that happening here because we know that son McLaren or McLaren, sorry, was not cast until season two. So they did reshoot the moments of the Ghost Nation looking in at Maeve. Um, and if you go back, it does look more intimidating. Uh, the other Ghost Nation, um, like, actor uh, who looks just like Akichita, like, the, in the sense of, like, the same handprints on the the face yes. and those, like, same makeup style. Um, so... But I, I find, like, I'm just super cool with it because, <laughs> A, I think that, like, the way that they tied this story together, it makes me think that this was, you know, there was some vein of this was it was a conceptualized for Kissy and then just, you know, moved over because it's just it's it works out too well that, like, the whole thing kind of comes together. Yes. Um, and then, you know, secondly, it's just... I even like I you know I saw one thing that was like well maybe Maeve you're seeing it from Maeve's point of view and she's interpreting a lot more um, you know menace in the Ghost Nation character than was actually there. I love that moment where he's like in this world Which things aren't always I as totally seem, take right that. like it's very believable. Yes, I take that as an explanation a hundred percent. Whether or not that's like actually the way that it was intended rather than logistics, I think is you know relatively unlikely, but. The fact that um, there's a very plausible explanation, like, within the story that works for me, like, I'm totally fine with it. Me too. So, okay, so assuming that, you know, we we just believe that this Akichita storyline was always in the background and we just accept that for what it is. Um, So this interaction he has with Ford, like, basically... I find it to give so much more depth to Ford's plan. So there's two things I want to raise here, which is one that, like... You know, he Ford's comment that, the, you know, the maze was an idea that was meant to die. And basically it ultimately like Akichita is the one who effectively, it seems, you know, revives the whole sentience idea. Like he's the one who proves to Ford, who's been watching him, that he has gained some sort of sentience. So like that's the first part. And then secondly is that not mine. This is from Reddit for sure. But like Ford's speech in the finale of last season um was not about like he talks about composing a new story um after he realizes that someone was paying attention someone who could change and you kind of think that that is Dolores but like now it's yes. a Kichita like he, he, that's who told him that there could someone could change that if given the time and left alone which effectively you know, Ghost Nation was pretty much ignored and lived on the outskirts of the park. They didn't notice that one of them hadn't come in for 10 years and been upgraded. Like, if they had that kind of freedom, they gained sentience, basically, right? Like, convincing right. Ford that the project was worth pursuing, question mark? Like, that's how I read it. But then, okay, so then if um, if Ford was speaking of the Kichita in his in his final speech instead of Dolores, which I think sounds very plausible um how do you sort of reconcile that with the ford who has you know forcibly taken over uh bernard's um you know free will and whatever like i mean it's it seems as if if a kichita was ultimately sort of who ford was directing that to i guess it makes me feel like a little he's less uh, aligned with Dolores than I thought, but then some of his actions are very in line with the kind of Dolores uh, Wyatt storyline that we're seeing. Does that 
bother you Sorry, at all? the Ford's actions are aligned with Dolores Wyatt or Kichita's are aligned with Dolores Wyatt? Sorry. No, I'm sorry. So, so Ford's actions are relatively aligned with like Dolores's in, in like, remember mm-hmm. when we spoke last week in the podcast, yes. I was saying that like Ford seems to be really in line with Dolores in terms of like, you really have to behave this certain way in order to survive. And even if it means that I'm going to take free will, I'm going to ensure survival by, you know, uh, you know, forcibly making you do what I want in order to, you know, win this grand, uh, you know, battle for sentience or whatever. But I mean, like that's so far from where Akichita seems to be that, I don't know, I just like, I can't uh, sort of reconcile like Ford's intentions there then. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I think Ford's intentions are very hard to still unpack right now. And I think all I can think of is that it gets back to like whether Ford is still just fully controlled. So say he sees Akichita and... um, like his people as he's trying to help them get to the exit then is he using like Dolores Wyatt as I don't know almost like a distraction to keep the park like hostage basically because we've talked about how Wyatt Dolores doesn't seem to be acting on her own accord fully um just like you know Bernard too but I don't know. And then it's like there's kind of three players now, right? Where it's like we had Maeve who, you know, did her own upgrades and has her own approach. We have Dolores and now we have Akichita as well. And they all kind of represent three different sides of of host sentience or non-sentience. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just kind of went into two different ideas there. But I guess I like I, I know what you mean and I don't really know. Yeah, no, but I I really uh, I really like the idea that Ford is speaking of Akichita at the end and not and not Dolores. Um, I don't know. Yeah, and that like and that that's who kind of you know rather than it being Ford who drove like because you know at some point Ford changed his mind and we never really saw in season one fully why that happened right like we saw him fighting with Arnold. Him saying Dolores didn't have sentience. We saw Arnold kind of pushing Dolores' sentience even in this season, too, where she's like, I don't fully understand, um, etc. And then at some point, Ford became the person who was going to set up this whole, you know, final act. Uh, so is it that, you know, the fact that he was kind of, once he goes through the analysis with Akichita, he's fir- firmly set on the fact that uh, what he thought couldn't happen clearly happened uh and his answers are yeah anyway i just think that that it's like such a a great moment to see more of that backstory um and what happened kind of behind the the scenes that we hadn't seen completely um and so okay so transitioning maybe into themes about the door exits um we can talk about valley beyond and glory okay so can i just can i just i don't know if this is common knowledge for everyone else but it wasn't for me so when i was reading a harper's bazaar article the harper's bazaar article that i refer to (laughs) all the time now um so it um referenced to the fact that we know definitively that the valley beyond uh where um young William shows Dolores of whatever was being built uh, is the same place as what Akichita um, saw in the desert in this episode. Right. And is also the same place as the valley that is flooded, but that all has all of the hosts drowned in it. Um, so uh, apparently the way that that was determined was that uh, there was a geologist on Reddit who like pointed out all of like the very distinct, uh, well, that is very helpful. There you go. Yeah, so I did not know that, but I I um, read about that in a Harper's Bazaar article, and I also read it referenced elsewhere. So I didn't know if this was something that, like, you know, everyone had sort of just kind of uh, heard of and accepted, or if I had missed something that was revealed in the show. But uh, in any case, it seems very likely that the door and the valley beyond are, in fact, the same place, the same thing. Um, like, so is this just, well, so I, 
Sorry, I was just saying, I didn't understand until I actually had to read it. Is that so? Akichita by himself goes to the edge of the park, sees this thing that William showed Dolores that he had been working on, and then can't find it again. And like everybody is like, that's because it's been buried. It's buried. Right? Yes. So that I did not catch on to at all. So like he clearly saw it at some point, kind of probably around the timeline of William showing it to Dolores, right? Like that kind of would make sense and then by the time he went back it's underground so then it would be what that the flood happens over top of that i mean i get i guess but it isn't a desert there when the valley is flooded right now i have to go back and look at i'm gonna look at these geologist pictures but i like honestly if someone of that is being repeated that must there must be like that must be it and then but i assume that flooding the valley would ruin whatever that facility is which we have discussed as possibly being human cradle yeah and i continue to think that it is and um i think too that like there's more to it though even than that i mean like all of these references to the door um so if the door is the same thing as the valley beyond and it's the same thing as glory um like so first do you think it's the same thing as those things yes okay just double checking um like I continue to kind of really see how the door the the, all of those words are being used to describe something that sounds a lot like the afterlife um you know it's like the way that um Akichita describes it uh continues to sort of like be uh I don't know, sort of reminiscent of heaven or something like that. You know what I mean? And it has been uh, referred to that in uh, previous episodes as well. So then it just like, it does make me think that like, maybe they are, maybe they are going to live like a bodiless existence in this, you know, life after death. Do you know what I mean? Like, um well totally so i think like it really struck me both times i watched it that akichita in the opening scenes talking to the man in black basically says you don't deserve an exit yes he doesn't say death you know like so um so we know that the man in black has been sent on a quest he's been told by ford that this quest is appropriate for him unlike the maze which is not meant for you william um so but that it's to go look for the door we then have akichita telling him that he doesn't deserve to exit which their references adore. And now we've got all of our hosts who are woke looking for the door, which would seem to indicate that if William is in fact a human, once again, the door is not meant for him. So what does that mean about what William is? Yeah. Like, so I have, you know, I have thoughts on this as well. I know that. Do you have thoughts on this? Yeah. (laughs) I know that William as a host has been, has been a really popular theory. I cannot bring myself to that place. I'm, I mean, like, I can certainly be wrong, but I just simply can't see William as a host in that I can't see him, like, being in a host body walking around right now. Um, But uh, I do think that there's the possibility that, like, there, that we are witnessing William's consciousness in the cradle or, or in something cradle-esque. Um, I don't really know how to reconcile this, but like, okay, Jess, if I miss anything of my own theory, then you let me know because I was frantically texting Jess as we were watching the episode yesterday. Um, okay. So in a nutshell, here is what I kind of walked away with in terms of Vanna Black. What if? Um, <laughs> okay. So Juliet commits suicide. Then the man in black, Oh my God. Help me, Jess. Yeah. So it was like, so we, we also have timeline questions, I, I guess, slightly around this as well. Right. Because it's like Juliet commits suicide. Man in black comes to the park for the final time. Yes. Okay. Kills Maeve and her daughter discovers the maze. Right. Like that's the way So this is it goes. Yes. Okay. So Juliet commits suicide. Man in black decides that he needs to like see for once and for all the kind of man that he has become. Comes to the park, kills Maeve and Maeve's daughter, shuts down the Jim Delos project because he realizes that, like, no good can come of this or whatever. And then William kills himself. And so the suicide flashback that we are looking at in the bathtub is 
not Juliet, and it's not Emily, it's William William himself. Question mark. Um Right. And that that was ultimately what my theory was, that the suicide was the, it Williams and uh not Juliet's or whatever. Um and so then I was thinking that when William enters the ma- the the park again looking for the maze like season one episode one that from that moment on we're in the cradle but just very rightly pointed out that it's like okay well that would be really disappointing if nothing that we have seen thus far is like actually taken place if all of it that's like really kind of like we're all it was all a dream territory which is that we've been in a coma the whole time yes that was like that was that is uh television suicide um so then I was thinking that maybe it's just from the point of the gala massacre onward. But uh, I'd like my own my own theory I don't really think. I makes think a you're ton so on to something here though. Like I I I I don't know. I mean this is the this isn't this isn't clearly the struggle with trying to interpret, you know, Nolan Joy, you know, mind mazes, but like I think you're on to something for sure, and I think this is the closest I've come to it with this idea of, like, exits, doors, William has been told to go on this journey by Ford, and now all signs point to that journey not having anything to do with him again. And it's like, how does he fit into this? And also, how does Emily fit into this? Emily clearly speaks incredibly fluent Lakota. Like, I don't understand that at all. So, um... I don't know. Somebody's a host. Somebody's in the cradle or something. But so maybe we can talk about it more for sure, Kim, because the other thing is I thought Akichita's um, analysis to Ford of what the door represented yes. was everything that we have lost, including her, um, is there. And then also called back to just a couple of episodes ago. When Akichita tells Stubbs that you only live as long as the last person who remembers you. And I keep thinking that somehow those things are going to play a role here too. Like, I also like the idea, and I don't know how it works, of Ford having to confront young William at the point where his life, you know, diverged to this place that ended up with him becoming the man in black. And what he could have done if Delos had focused on doing something for, like, the good. But I don't know how yes. that works. Like, I'm with you on all of those things. But, yes, I mean, like, I think that that is really poignant that, like, when Nikichita says that you only live as long as the last person who remembers you. And then, like, like ultimately, um, so if you think about Akichita's wife, for instance, I mean, like, his, right. his wife, um, her host was gone. And, like, it... Um, if nobody else remembers that there was somebody else there before this ghost that has taken her place, uh, then it doesn't matter that there is, uh, you know, another um, Koha who is living in this village and living the same life that the host before her um, did because, you know, like Akichita remembers that she is not the same person. Like, but if nobody remembers, then then Koaha, the original, is gone forever. You know what I mean? But, like, so in... And, like, look at the... Totally, because, like, look at the... Okay, look at the approach. So he has that heartbreaking moment in cold storage where he realizes that she's, like, not there and he can't, like, bring her back. Um, And that's when he decides he is going to dedicate himself to helping all of those who, like, everybody... Every host in cold storage represents someone who is mourning a loss, yes. right? Whether they realize it or not. And so he starts, you know, teaching and like sharing the story and like passing it along and putting it everywhere to educate people. So con- like compare that or contrast it to the man in black who in his final meeting with Delos says, you know, this person's dead, this person's dead, this person's dead. Like everybody has died. And then he just writes off Delos too. He says, you're not worth, you know, trying to keep around either and just like lets him uh go completely insane and like completely writes him off like it's such a different approach um to facing like loss and Akichita being like I am going to rally my community so now who will remember Akichita when he's gone like Maeve will because he has like you know so deeply connected with her in just like a short amount of time because he is able to do that versus like the man in black who seems to care nothing for 
having kind of any kind of like personal relationship. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, is that? No, like, I, just... I absolutely agree. And then I think too, I mean, like, so the, the other line that you pointed out, which was the description that Akijita gave to Ford when he was explaining what he, what the door means to him, what he thinks that it is. So that was definitely what I was kind of referring to when I was talking about how it sounds like a description of the afterlife. Where, you know, you mm-hmm. have back all of the things that you've lost, right. including the, the loved yep. ones that, that were gone before you, right? And then, um, so he says, you know, I'll get back what I've lost, including her. And of course, Akichita is referring to Koha, his wife. But it did make me think that, like, maybe this it was introduced as um, a, a way for us to kind of like the seed has been planted for the man in black to see others who were lost before him like Juliet or or you know a younger version of himself or you know Dolores or whatever but I don't know I mean like I feel like like um the you know the door in early discussions I think that we were like talking about a literal sort of like door to the real world or a way to get out into the real world. And I'm really not thinking of it anymore as a pathway to a world beyond the park in the real life. I'm thinking of it as being like the ability to move between worlds in a digital form. And the, um, you know, the cradle might have been a sandbox just for the park, but I think that the Valley beyond might be, as we suggested last week, you know, like, um, a cradle like something for the human consciousness in the real world but potentially not only just the real world there could be you know there could be a park version that's in there there could be multiple worlds in there they could be um you know no real restriction if you have access to the door and know how to move between worlds to be able to kind of like I don't know choose your destiny in a whole new way yeah, I think you're totally right. Because I think, you know, when you first hear the door, I mean, even choosing the door is such tricky language, because I think, in my mind, at the start of this season, what I was thinking of is that door that looks like the door to the train that they you go through when you first arrive at Westworld. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the one that we saw William and Logan pass through. And it's very, like, it's very, like, impactful looking and symbolic looking. And we've seen it appear a couple of times in different places. And that really it's a literal door um, and it would be how like Maeve tried to escape on the train right in the end of last season and so that's kind of where your thinking is and then I totally agree like once you see both the location of this place Akichita so you know firmly calling it a door the fact that it's buried in the ground and clearly doesn't lead you know like physically places right either, right <laughs> like it's like that's not the case so what does that mean I think that that's a really um, good point. I don't want to move off this topic before I uh, mention a tweet that we got uh, from Laura, which was that uh, I had forgotten about this because it was so far ago, long ago, but she was rewatching episode one of this season and the stable hand, who, of course, is dispensed with quite quickly, um, asked Bernard, Charlotte and the other couple if they wanted a ride to the Valley Beyond. I don't know if we picked up on that or not, Kim, but it's like. We could have had this whole thing wrapped up in like two episodes. I know, <laughs> seriously. If all they had yes, just said yes to the stable boy, <laughs> seriously, like instead of killing him, they'd all yeah, be so... drinking margaritas in the Valley Beyond right now. That's right. But there is a host who knew to say the Valley Beyond as well. So whether that means anything or the stable boy was super harmless or like I, re- I do remember uh... that we talked about that and about like whether or not it was a physical place or. I think that we did mention that the stable boy had, had said it, although maybe that wasn't in a podcast. Maybe that was offline, but, um, or even that we had no idea, you know, that it was going to be the presiding theme. Right. Exactly. But I mean, like, yeah, I, that is a really good question that Laura brings up is like, was the ultimate, uh, uh, intention of the stable boy to lead those humans out of the park or something like you know that was uh, suggested by Laura I don't know if that's the case but it seems strange that like I mean maybe it's just kind of like in the same way that the confederados said that they're going to glory and have no idea where it is 
that if they had said, yes, please take us to the Valley Beyond, the stable boy would just like have no clue what to do next. You know, like it isn't an actual place that the uh, hosts know where to go to, but just a phrase that is kind of used willy nilly in the park in their loops. Well, and it is, which is so interesting, right? Like it's like, again, it's, it seems so innocuous and like the fact exactly they don't know what they're looking for they keep referencing this place they don't know where it is but it's been subtly built underneath the code of everybody who's there is uh is interesting so um okay what about Ikichita's references so again this conversation with Ford which I absolutely loved and just thought this was like a great moment in a great episode uh so he references to ford in his narration that he basically he met the man who put us to sleep in the first place and then he talks uh when ford asks him you know how he found the maze he talks about the creator which um i reference as arnold and the Deathbringer as wyatt so kim do you have the same interpretation of who's who in that kind of like breakdown of characters yes i do um i definitely feel that he is referencing arnold as the creator and ford as the man who put him to sleep in the first place and i think that it's undeniable that he was referencing wyatt slash dolores in the context of that of that conversation though like i wonder if like this was a a literal term that they were referring to for, for Wyatt, like, um, like the bringer of death, like whoever it is who is going to bring death. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Is that like, yeah. yeah. Were they actually referring to Wyatt as the sole death bringer or was it like exactly whatever is coming, whatever's coming that's resulting in death. Yeah. So uh, I think that's a really great point because, yes, I so I do have a question about Wyatt. But um, so one of the things I love the best is that he introduces Ford as the man who put us to sleep in the first place. And then Ford introduces by himself by being like, I, did, I didn't give you fear when I created you. And like he says a couple of different things. I don't have them written down, but he just is like, I thought this was such a great putting of Ford in his place. Yes. Like we have... I especially, I think, have put Ford on a total pedestal, probably because it's Sir Anthony Hopkins and I just can't help myself. But, like, I love that Akichita recognizes him as not the creator of him. Like, he's like, I don't really give a shit about what you gave or didn't give me. Like, I survived out in this park for 10 years and I figured this out by myself, basically, right? So in his mind, Arnold is the creator. And Ford is the man who put them to sleep. I can't remember the um, the specifics of this, but I definitely remember there being another reference to this at some point in the two seasons, sometime in season one, I believe, where it was clear that uh, there was another host that really f- referred to Arnold as the creator in some way. Like, I don't know. I wish I had more... Um, uh, specifics to be able to add to that but yeah i think that there is definitely a distinction between the way the sentient hosts um are remembering arnold and what they right. currently feel about ford because um presumably akichita i mean could um recall any kind of uh I mean I don't I don't think that he's like meeting up with Ford on the regular in the park (laughs) I think this is a relatively (laughs) like infrequent occurrence but like I just just in terms of uh being awake in the park for so long that he has uh picked up on you know Ford's directives or people following it Ford's directives or whatever like do you think that it's something that he has uh, pieced together by being aware? Or do you think that this is some kind of innate knowledge? Well, or just in what this situation he comes across Ford in, which is just such a beautifully shot scene. You know, it's like all of the Ghost Nation members fighting this bear and Ford's got all of them in like perfect tableau yes. with all these lights around, you know, taking their scalps off, looking at the tattoo underneath. Um like, does that inherently just be like, I know exactly who this is. Um, I've known that this person exists, like, just like I've known that they, quote unquote, exist. Um, and this is enough to just, like, know it. I don't know. Mm. Um, but I think you're right. Like, whatever it is, it's like you clearly know that there's someone at the 
part of it. Kind of like how Maeve has been talking too, right? Yeah. Like, you know, she just, they kind of figure these things out, um, whether that's through like the code that they're analyzing or what they've seen. Actually, so maybe can I jump to another question here while we're kind of getting into this? So there's a lot of talk about how, like you mentioned in the last episode or a couple episodes ago, Akichita is who is in the initial pitch to Logan. Yeah. Um, that gets Delos to be the primary investor with Angela. Um, but he does not seem to remember his time out in the real world, unlike Dolores, who does remember that same time frame when she was with Arnold. Right. Do you have any kind of thoughts as to why when Dolores is quote unquote woke, she would remember it and Akichita who isn't or who is also woke does not remember it? No, I think that that's a really good question and I don't have a good answer for it. I mean, I think that um, like maybe a really loosey-goosey argument could be made that we don't necessarily know 100% that he has no recollection of the real world now. I mean, um, in the earliest scenes in the episode when he was only just starting to start to gain some uh, level of consciousness, then we definitely... Uh, know that he does not have an awareness of the outside world because he was so like struck by the possibility of multiple worlds but i mean like right. in the later scenes maybe it was not shown to us that he had that recollection but we could assume that he has all of his memories he does say to Maeve in Lakota through through her daughter that uh, he recalls all the many lives that they've lived so i don't know that's if he doesn't remember, then I can't imagine that there's any explanation for it other than some kind of interference. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, so I don't know either. I, I agree. My thought is more, is Dolores, did something happen to give Dolores those memories back? Um, if Akichita is truly, you know, sentient on his own, does Dolores have those memories back for... A manipulative reason like did ford give her those back i don't know but that doesn't really make any sense because i guess the idea would be if you truly woke up you'd be able to remember everything mm -hmm. but also i guess one other thing is that is it possible that they were fully fully wiped um in the sense that we see that when he transitions from like the beta program when he is first you know when we first are, meet him basically in this when he's living with koha when he transfers to ghost nation they're like ah we're not gonna bother you know removing all of his heuristics like just right over the top the new ghost nation stuff like is that supposed to be enough where it's like okay so that is gonna be his point zero and from there forward he would be able to remember stuff whereas dolores was never ever wiped because of arnold's influence I don't know. I'm just like, I'm grasping at straws. Yeah, sure, I mean, but... uh, that that is all plausible too. And um, ultimately, I think that like whatever we kind of argue out here, we could sort of make it make sense if we um, yeah, base, base it on some assumptions and whatever. Like, I don't necessarily see that as being a, a really like important difference that... I agree. You know, uh, so... Yeah, I think I think at this point, based on what we know now, that like I'm going to work on the assumption that there is an aware level of awareness of the outside world now in his later years that he didn't have earlier on and the show didn't explicitly show us that. But I mean, yeah. I am probably going to be proven wrong in, in one week's oh, yeah. time. So. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like, no, this is nothing. Like, don't worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. Okay, so going back, so just I so I have two more is um so we know that talking about the Deathbringer, your point is very excellent about a Deathbringer could just be anyone who brings death. Uh, we do know, of course, that Dolores kills a Ghost Nation member. Yes. Um, later in this timeline, earlier in this season. Yeah, that's a phrase that only really happens. Uh, in Westworld. Westworld is my um, Right. So do you think that this, like, so clearly they're antagonistic, or at least at that point are thoughts about, you know, like that? Is this going to be kind of where we're heading for 9 and 10, that these two kind of 
are truly opposing as Akichita really searches for the door again? Um, okay, I'm I'm not sure. But one thing that I do think that it does is kind of like it um, proves my theory wrong from an earlier podcast, which was that um, Dolores was killing off the hosts who were incapable or like too weak to um right exactly yeah Yeah, that's a great point right so at the time i was saying that i thought that the blue tongue analogy was actually like really on the nose and it was referring to her calling the herd of the weak hosts who were incapable of sort of like achieving a level of sentience that would prove their worth to be able to go to the valley beyond but this was a ghost nation member with with a maze under his scalp. I mean, like he was woke, I'm sure. So uh, if that's the case, then uh, I have no idea why Dolores would deem them to be, you know, unfit or unworthy to go to the Valley Beyond. Um, Unless it is maybe that, uh, that to your point, that it's like a level of, um, I don't know, competition like does she only want those who will follow her and none who oppose her but that doesn't feel like a good fit to me either I don't have an explanation for that I know no I think that's a great point though because it's like yeah it's definitely we are we've been coming towards this idea for ghost of ghost nation for some time I think it paid off way more than we thought but now that we truly know this, then that statement of, yeah, not being worthy doesn't make any sense from a, like, objective point of view, at least, uh, at all. So, um, yeah, we'll shall see. So uh, maybe, Kim, do you want to explain, too, there is, like, a lot of Reddit uh, talk about in the initial um Wyatt scenes in the town so the stuff we saw over and over again in scene one uh, scene one sorry season one yes um that there are like animals represented in that scene um so um speak to that yeah so if you guys will recall like all of the the scenes of the massacre the Wyatt massacre uh and whatnot it all had a wolf that was sort of just, um, I don't know, walking around, <laughs> walking around the massacre. And then uh, in this season, it was after the Gala massacre when the man in black, uh, you know, woke up like unscathed, uh, he sees a wolf. And um, the Reddit theory is that the wolf is in fact a Kichita. So we saw him, um, you know, in, in terms of like the directions that he was walking into the scenes of the massacres and whatever, like mm-hmm. it seems to be very similar to the path that the wolf Same took. point of view. That's right. Exactly. Agreed. And yeah. now then when Akichita walks into the Gala massacre, he sees a vulture. And the theory is that Akichita sees the man in black, but views him as a vulture. And the man in black sees Akichita and views him as a wolf. And the season two poster of Westworld is a vulture sitting next to a black hat. So that's right. If that were to be true, then then like there would have to be a level of host slash human consciousness that is going on with the man in black, because it would have to be a level of programming that would um, be making them see each other in this way or like, but in, yeah. we know that that is possible with hosts, of course, because, you know, uh, we saw with Bernard that he, you know, was unable to see things that would like harm his perspective or harm his point of view. So he couldn't see himself in his in a picture or a picture of Arnold, I should say, or whatever. Um, he couldn't see the door. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, it's possible. And then I, this was a, a sort of less popular stream of discussion. It just wasn't sort of um, brought up quite as much. But um, some did also suggest that the white horse that Ikichita saw um, as he was approaching the, the original like Wyatt massacre 35 years ago uh, was a representative of Dolores. That one makes a little less sense in my mind, but it 
it's I think impossible that two of three animals represent a person and the third animal does not. So, um, but so that is the theory in, in a nutshell, which I find very intriguing. I like it a lot. Uh, I don't know how it actually like fits into the grand scheme of things, but it's just like, you know, a cool idea. It is a lot of, yeah, no, it's, uh, I think it's, I think there's something there for sure. And I don't know if it's, uh, but I actually, it's funny, I Googled it outside of Reddit and I came across a, a article from last season that referenced kind of like what, how it could be related um, to like Native Americans in general um, and then possibly like Ghost Station, which obviously is a caricature and a terrible old white person's interpretation of like what Native American culture looks like. But like they were kind of referencing it there and I was like, oh, well, that's even more kind of prescient uh and as this completely unrelated side note you know what i did today is i went back and rewatched the super bowl preview commercial for westworld oh really just to see like how much of it we'd seen and i remember reading when it first came out it's the one that's um uh it's got the kanye west song done on piano uh runaways. um thank you runaways um and it's just like, it was like amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, yes. Uh, so at this point, and I remember reading at the time that it was released, like, don't expect all of this to be in the season. A lot of it is probably like misdirection and whatever. But almost all of it we've seen in some form or another. Maybe not shot for shot, but you can place almost every storyline except for one. Uh, and I really hope that the one that's like left that's heavily featured throughout it is still to come in either nine or ten. Like... I am going to watch that as soon as this podcast ends. Can you t- can you tell us? Is it too spoilery? Okay, so if you do not want to hear it, we're just going to talk about it for one minute. So skip forward 60 seconds. Um, so it is a bunch of um, bulls running. I don't know if you can picture it. It was featured heavily throughout the whole preview. Um, and it, they turn out to be like animatronic, obviously like host robot bulls. Like the but one they're in running the through... new opening. Exactly. And they're running through the Mesa and they're with Maeve and the like security guys are trying to shoot them. And that is basically how she is going to escape. Oh. What that preview says. Sorry, I guess, are they she, bulls yeah. or buffalo? It doesn't matter. So, well, they got horns. So, uh, but they don't look like. But I think they look like bulls. But I could be wrong. But yes, they kind of look. They don't look exactly like what's being made in the front. Of the, you're right. I know what you mean. I don't think they're exactly those, because they're slightly different looking. Okay. Well, I am very excited. Yeah. So anyway, they're featured in that. So that would be very cool. Um. So I'm hoping that that is the case. Also, if you saw the preview for next see uh, next episode, it looks like we are going to get more. Men in Black. Very heavy Men in Black. And And I do feel like what is featured in that episode. So I had like texted Jess to be like, what if the suicide is the Man in Blacks? (laughs) And then in that preview, I mean, like, it seems very. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. It's, it seems like it could be leaning in that direction. I I I do. I'm not going to lie. I do have a really hard time picturing the Man in Black committing suicide in a bathtub committing suicide. <laughs> <laughs> i do but as he's like open this episode opens with him crawling to the river being like you are not gonna die. i know i know so you know what i mean like i'm i don't know i'm just throwing it out there there are i think there are some nuggets that are leading me in that direction and at the same time i i find it hard to picture my own theory but whatever just think Uh, it over well i mean yeah and i i'm you know it's always amazing what an episode one hour of this show can bring to the table so i'm really excited to see how this sets us up for um episode 10 just as a side so a friend uh, a colleague at work has just started watching and he's only watched the first season and the other day he was like, oh, I took your recommendation and I'm, I'm watching Westworld. He's like, I just got through episode seven. He's like, I can't believe Bernard is a host. And then another colleague who had already watched it, she's like, I, I forgot they released that in episode seven. Um, you know, like this show's not afraid to to release major information ahead of the finale. Right. You know what I mean? Because it's like, it's all going to play to stuff later on. I know. And then when he said that, I was like, yeah, where he says what door? He's like, I know. You <laughs> <laughs> forget what a mind blowing moment that oh is. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> what door? I just, I mean, it's, 
it is incredible what they are packing into a 10 episode season. Like, what did we do to deserve you, Westworld? I'm so impressed. And I know, like, we podcast the show, so clearly I think that means we have an inherent, like, bias towards liking it. Although you don't know that before you decide to podcast it. But, like, Cam, this show is so good. And, like, I'm always telling people that they should give it a chance. And when someone says they couldn't get into it, I'm always just like, I don't understand. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm like, okay, well, I clearly am never going to take your TV recommendations then because we don't have the same taste at all. <laughs> no. I'm gonna have spent like twelve hours talking about this ep- these this season before it's done and like I you can't get into it. <laughs> I, just, I don't even know how that works. Um so why don't we just wrap up maybe uh with a couple points of interest? Sounds good. Um so okay, did you catch this super quick shot of a fly right. on a Kichita when he discovers the maze? Yeah, I definitely did. I like I, I think it's just a symbolism thing I agree. but like right like it's just something around when hosts are becoming sentient of course season 1 episode 1 when Dolores kills the fly is it just kind of like yes i thought that that was just like a nod from the show it was just a callback that i think that viewers sort of appreciate but like what was what was impactful yeah. about that scene with Dolores is the fact that she killed the fly um, killed it yeah you're right and, and hosts are not she couldn't hurt a fly. yes hosts are not yeah. supposed to be able to kill anything um so having the fly there in and of itself was not really relevant I don't think except that it was a callback um particularly when it was at a moment that like Ikichita was um like picking up the maze picking up the yeah. maze yeah and obviously yeah. you know like the maze um the maze must have had like some underlying programming that the um the the host I agree simply yeah. on um viewing of the symbol start to kind of go down a path in a way that's very similar to Peter Abernathy discovering the the picture of Juliet um you right. know Akichita being presented with the statement that this is the wrong world it was like the thing that put him over the edge or whatever so I thought that was really well done and like the fly was just a little bit of like Evan Easter egg agreed um uh the title of this episode Kiksuya means remember which of course it does very appropriate that is awesome. And how appropriate is Ghost Nation once we hear uh, this backstory? Not that that was intentional, but the fact that he speaks to, you know, the hosts that are being replaced as ghosts coming into their communities, um, I thought was really impactful. I and, agree. You know, Ghost Nation is uh, means a whole other thing than they're just got white paint on them, you know? Yes. Um, and even the way Maeve's daughter, too, says the ghost tells us we should be worried, like... It just, I don't know, it had much more impact. Uh, yes, yeah. And I thought that that was so brilliant, the way that they did that too, that even in like, in those um, in those scenes with Maeve's daughter on a rewatch, when you know, when it's confirmed 100% that Akichita was yes. simply looking out for them the whole time, you recognize it for what it is, which is, you know, him trying to warn them. But if you don't know that, then it sounds threatening to say that, like, the ghost is watching us or whatever. It was just, you know, Correct. so beautifully done. Um, one last thing that I wanted to just throw out there uh, was that I did see some people on Reddit who were of the opinion that because Maeve said the um, take my heart with you, which is, of course, the line that Akijita and Koha say to each other, um, the first part of it anyway, that some people were of the opinion that Maeve is actually um, Koha in a different body. Um, but I did not take that to be the meaning whatsoever. Did you? No, I agree. I mean, I love Reddit because it's like someone will say that and then like eight people are like, that's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then someone's like, well, how would she know to say that? And then someone's like, because, because he it was... just spent an hour yes. <laughs> telling her his entire story. Right. So, so just clearing I that up. you that it is not. Yeah. 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 No, I, but I think it is a good indicator of what I was saying earlier, which is like Maeve will remember Kichita. She now knows that they're allies. They're clearly connected. She's going to go look for him if she survives or dies a good death. I am guessing she survives, um, at least through here. And... 
Uh, also because Thandie Newton and Evan Rachel Wood, I believe, have been publicly negotiating salaries for season three, didn't they? Wasn't there a discussion of uh, equal pay? Uh, um, I don't know, but that sounds, uh, so. you know, which they should be making equal money as these two women are. Yeah, exactly. Carrying yeah, they're the top two so builds, much of these so. seasons. So, yeah. Okay, well, I am so excited for episode nine, episodes nine and ten. I can't believe we're at the end. Uh, it is such a wild ride, and this was uh, a truly phenomenal episode to bring us into our last couple ones. Agreed. So, thank you, Kim, I for that discussion. I love it so much. Thank you, Jess. Thanks, thank guys, for, guys, for listening. Excellent. Okay, let us know if you guys have thoughts, kgrecaps.com slash feedback, or find us on Facebook and Twitter, and we will be back in one week. You bet. Okay, bye, guys. Mm-hmm.